Welcome back to Chronic Pain and Paranoia. We missed you, even though we've been consistently uploading for once. I know. This is really weird for us, but it's the new normal. It feels good, like, being able to actually keep on, like, our momentum. Well, and it's part of our schedule now, too. So, like, I'm a creature of habit. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it gets me out of my house. I sit here and work in this exact spot all day, so. I just intrude your space. Yeah, but not really, because I text you from this chair anyways. That's true. (laughs) I'm always in this space one way or another. Exactly. I'm just haunting things. Yeah. So, this week, the episode is going to be based off the word old. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm excited for this because I don't know what you you chose. You know what I chose because I was trying to figure out... I was trying to remember who this person was that I'm talking about. Yes. And I couldn't remember. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I hope you guys like it. I'm excited. Me too. Um, Emily, how would you rate your pain today? Today, I feel like a snapping turtle that's been s- like stuck in one of those drain things. Like, you know, halfway stuck because he's too big. Mm-hmm. I feel like that. So, like, squished. Squished and angry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We just both had a frustrating, like, two hours. Two hours. My day started out frustrating. Yeah. Um, but at least we're caffeinated this time. We are. We have a lot more personality today. We were both really angry last week for some reason. I don't know what it was. I don't know either. I just was in a goblin mood. I don't know. Was it a full moon? I think I was really hungry. Yeah, now we have Chick-fil-A coming. So. Yes, we do. <laughs> and I had a granola bar, and it fixed my mood almost immediately. I just um, had caffeine, and that's all I've been waiting for all day, even yeah. though I already had caffeine today. So You're probably going to hear me sipping on my drink during this, and you're just going to have to deal, because we're filming two episodes today. Mm-hmm. We need it. So, yeah, so y'all, y'all can tight. cope. <laughs> yeah. Um... My pain scale today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, okay, spoilers for the show Wednesday. Skip ahead like 30 seconds or something. Um, at the end of Wednesday, when she gets shot by an arrow, mm-hmm. and she like pulls it out. Yeah. How? Um, there's like a very specific point in my pelvis that feels like that. That was how my back was today, so I totally feel that. Yeah, but it's like a point in my back... It's just so sharp and, like, very... Yes. And it's achy, and it's going into my hip. So it feels like I got shot by an arrow, but it's not going all the way through, so I don't think it's a cyst. That's good. Yeah. I don't want one. Just a dumb ovary. I don't think I have... I don't think I've had a cyst yet, which is really impressive. I honestly... I have had those before, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I remember what it feels like. Yeah. Because it's, like, it's common for women in general, but for women with endometriosis, it's even, you have an even higher risk, so I'm really surprised that I don't think I've had one. Or just gone unnoticed, I don't know. That's true. There are some times where I'm, like, if this pain right now was a cyst that burst, I would not know. I felt it pop. Ew. Ew. (laughs) Like, (laughs) hold on, Emily. (laughs) Like a balloon? It was like a... And then I went up, told my mom, she's like, it's gas. And then I went back to bed. And then, my mom's really great, by the way. She just, I'm a hypochondriac, so that's yeah, what it was. That, yeah. Um, so I, like, was white-knuckling my desk at school the next morning. And I was like, what is going on? I came home, like, because it was just first hour. And I started crying. And I was like, mom, it hurts so bad. Um, I had two cysts rupture. I At the also, same time? Mm-hmm. There was oh one on gosh. each side, and so the fluid had leaked over to my appendix and That's flamed bad. it. That's bad. So they just removed it. Your appendix? Yeah. You don't have an appendix? Nope. Why am I just knowing? Why? Mm. Well, I guess you don't advertise that. No. I, yeah. It's just missing I didn't my know body. you didn't have an appendix. It's all because of my stupid ovaries. Isn't it just weird that they can just take that out and you, like, continue living? You can take a gallbladder out and continue living. Yeah. You can take a kidney out and continue living. Your body won't be very happy. No, it'll be running half mass, but... But, like, you won't die. Yeah, which is good. So weird. I know. The human body's crazy. We have got to get started. Okay. Here we go. We're gonna get into our disclaimer and then we're gonna get this going. This podcast contains sensitive materials such as violence, murder, paranormal activity, 
and other adult topics, so listener discretion is advised. While we do research all of our episodes, we are just two Emilys with a microphone and a passion for all things spooky. Take it with a grain of salt. All of our sources will be in the show notes. Or we'll just tell you or never tell you. This week, Emily, I was thinking old. Like, what the frick is old? I was like, ghosts are old. They've been here a while. Houses can be old. Yeah. Cemeteries can be old. And then I said, bones can be really old. Very and then true. Bryce said, yeah, bones can be really old. Um, so I combined two of those things and I landed on the Paris catacombs. Yes! <laughs> we have talked about visiting the Paris catacombs together. I was doing my research because I also watched As Above, Far Below. Mm -hmm. It's a horror film. Really recommend, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Bryce, we need to go to Paris right now. And he's like, why? And I was like, the Duh. catacombs? Duh. Bryce. Duh. Not, not the Eiffel Tower. No, 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 no. That is way too touristy. Gross. We're going underneath the city. I need to be a sewer rat. Yes. Okay. Do you think Remy went through the catacombs during that little thing when 100%. he got to Paris? Okay. Remy's just living his life. We're talking about Ratatouille, by the way, if you don't know who Remy the Rat is. Uncultured swine. Go watch Ratatouille. <laughs> we'll actually finish the episode first, please. And Thank then you. watch Ratatouille. Really appreciate your listen. Thank yes. you. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically, for anyone who doesn't know... The Paris catacombs are underground ossuaries in Paris, which hold the remains of more than 6 million people in a small part of a tunnel network built to consolidate Paris' ancient stone quarries. So mm -hmm. that's why the tunnels were there. Okay. They were quarries because Paris used to be like tropical, like 100 million years ago, whatever it is. Um, so it has limestone underneath. So they weren't so specifically built for bones. Nope. Interesting. Are you going to talk about what kind of people were buried there? Yep. Okay. Cool. I won't steal your thunder then. Also, as a side note, an ossuary, ossuary, I don't know if I'm saying that right, is a chest box building well or site made to serve as the final resting place for remains. So it's okay. like a mausoleum. Oh, okay. Also, as a side note, most of the catacombs are unmapped. Just to give you an idea of yeah. what's going on down here. Um, they are mapped, but most of it had been falling down, and I'll get into that later. Um, and I also wanted to say, because I'm talking about mass graves, and people are like, ew, gross, bones everywhere, the West, i.e. us in America, have this really weird idea of what death should look like, and it's not normal to most of the world. Because, like, in Spain, I specifically rem remember reading about Spain, but in mm -hmm. lots of places they have shared cemeteries. Mm -hmm. So you rent out the plot for a certain amount of years, however long it takes for your bones to turn into bones, <laughs> like your body to turn into bones, and then you'll be put into a mass grave, should you choose. But most people choose cremation anyway, so it's pointless, because it's only like 60 to 80 euros mm -hmm. for cremation. I mean, if you think back to earlier civilizations where it was very, it was very much like village settings, mm -hmm. Where you stay in the same place your whole life like you grow up you live and you die with these people it makes sense to be buried as a community when you lived as a community mm -hmm. if they have a strong sense of community we don't really have that in america there was also capitalism yeah it sucks how much people make money off of funerals yeah it's disgusting coming like, from someone who worked in the funeral industry no, thank you. Like, I feel like a lot of our traditions for funerals and weddings are heavily driven by capitalism and not necessarily, like, say, religious traditions mm -hmm. or, you know, cultural traditions. Because you can be buried without being embalmed. I am for mm -hmm. green burial. I used to be against it. I was for it against it and now I'm for it again. Mm -hmm. Now that I've kind of sniffed out the situations. And a good book to read is From Here to Eternity by Caitlin Doty. She talks about all the different cultures of death, if you're interested. Interesting. I love that book with my whole heart. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I learned about the Spain. Yeah. Um, so highly recommend. She's also a really good author. So I feel like I agree just because 
I don't need to be taking up that much space when I'm gone. I don't care what you do with me. Yeah. <laughs> Peace and love. You can be cremated and be put into a ball of salt and thrown in the ocean like a big bath bomb. Uh, please turn me into it a bath bomb. It dissolves in 10 minutes. I would love to be a bath bomb. Isn't that hilarious? Yes. Okay, I'm so okay. sorry. We need to... I know. We're moving on now, so I'm going to talk about the history of the catacombs because really no one knows. Well, like, we know about them, but I never really heard people talk about it. Um, so basically where the catacombs are, Parisians settled there way back when, like, 4th, 5th century, towards a church. It was called St. Etienne Church and Burial Ground. Why did I write this? I said, so homies lived their lives and died. That's all that bullet points okay? said. <laughs> no. <laughs> when did you write this? A couple days ago. Okay. She's like 1 a.m. <laughs> no, it was the middle of the day. By candlelight. I would, wouldn't I? <laughs> She's here for the drama. <laughs> yes. Um, so instead of burying their dead once they arrived, um, like on the outskirts of town, which is normal, like, mm-hmm. mm, they buried them inland. So like kind of centralized in the middle of their lives. That lines up, though, because most people bury them outside of the city to limit disease. Yeah. But, but they also, weren't great at that. Yeah. They're and not famous for that in Europe. No. Also, they were burying them in, like, the graveyard, the church cemetery. Oh, okay. So it's like a religious thing, mm-hmm. too. The most central cemetery, a burial ground around the 5th century, Notre Dame de Bois. I don't speak French, by the way. If that's not apparently obvious. <laughs> um, became the property of the St. Opportune Parish after the original church was demolished by 19... 19- ninth century norman invasions so that's why they were moving churches so often is because wars and things Mm -hmm. is what happens in history this is ninth ninth century so we're all the way back there yeah so the church of saints innocence tell me how to say it and i'll say it but it's fine i won't judge i don't know what's going on either so saints innocence became the city's main cemetery and by the end of the same century it was already filled and overflowing gross they moved there, 9th century. End of 9th century, it's full. Jam-packed. Well, that do be 100 years. Yeah, but Give 100 years is not that long for a cemetery to fill up. You right. Yeah. So to make room for the freshly dead, the oldest bones and bodies um, were exhumed and packed into the walls of like the roofs and galleries inside the cemetery. So it's like still mm. under, mm-hmm. but they're consolidating. It's not disgusting. I just would not want to be the one to exhume. Uh, yeah. You gotta find out if they're bones or not. There are also, like, various stages of decomposition. Which is not fun. No. Coming from someone who's seen it, it's not fun. Um, How many dead bodies do you think you've seen? Could not tell you. Okay. So, by the end of the 18th century, the central burial ground was about 6.6 feet, like, deep. And there was a mound on top of that. Um, that's deep. Just filled with bones, you know, the That's dead. a lot. And we're still in the 18th century. Um, plus we had dead, the dead from Hotel D-I-E-U. It's a hospital. Mm-hmm. And the morgue in the town. Mm-hmm. So pretty much everybody was coming to this little cemetery. Mm-hmm. Other parishes did have their own burial grounds, but they weren't as big. They're like tiny little graveyards. Um... So it wasn't until the 18th century that they made cemeteries on the outskirts of town and all existing parishes were condemned. Like, no more burying. Interesting. Because there's too many people. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little brief history on how the bodies got there. Mm-hmm. So the basement on the property next to the cemetery collapsed. So I don't know if it was next to or on. Not ideal. But either way, it collapsed and people were like, oh no, because it was the weight of the graves. Mm-hmm. So it was close to the public and all burials were bound, banned, slash forbidden. Well, the word they used was forbidden after 1780. But the remains were still an issue. So they're like, no more burying here, but we're also having collapses. So that collapsed, and then it also collapsed at another point in Paris. I mm-hmm. don't know exactly where. So they started to do mass consolidations um, around 1777 near where one of the collapses had happened. Okay. So they had a project where they were going to reinforce the tunnels. Mm-hmm. Because, like, they were still old quarries and, like, 
things are going up, it's starting to become popular, like, mm-hmm. yeah, we're not in, like, village era. Yeah. So a guy named Lieutenant General Alexander Lenore was directly involved with these mine inspections and wanted to move the dead into the mine passageways. He's like, these are empty. We have a problem with overflowing cemeteries. Why not just move them? Mm-hmm. So eventually it was made into law that they were going to move them. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're going to put them down there. Like, no one wanted to go down there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, passageways were dug like in the cemetery where they currently were to get them out because there was a ton. Gotcha. This would make the nightly procession of black covered wagons possible. So every night they would take the bodies, put them in the wagons with the black covered cloth, and then take them to the catacombs location. Gotcha. The mines. And it would take two years to carry the millions of Parisians Jeez. from point A to point B every single day for two years. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so some of the cemeteries that were moved were St. Innocence, the largest, with 2 billion buried over 600 years. So, not 2 billion, 2 million. Either way, it's a lot. That is a lot. St. Etienne, it was the oldest. Madeleine Cemetery, Arantes Cemetery, which was used for the French Revolution, like people who died there. Mm-hmm. And then Notre Dame de Blanc, Mento. I don't know, man. But that's where they came from. Mm-hmm. So the bones were just kind of, like, thrown in there, essentially. Yeah. They're like, gotta get these out. Here we go. Like, they didn't think they'd ever go back mm-hmm. down. But in 1810, there were renovations done that would transform the catacombs into a mausoleum. So this guy, I did not write his name down. Peace and love to him. Went in and rearranged all the bones. So mm-hmm. he started to make it look like what it looks like today. And he also made rooms. So Mm -hmm. when you tour the catacombs, like, you walk through these tunnels, but they're also separate rooms for different things. Like, he made archways. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a room where you can see the minerals found under Paris. He was like, here we go. A room of just skeletons with, like, deformities. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also would, like, make, like, monuments. So there's, like, crosses. You'll see an arch that says, I don't know, something in French. He just made a lot of stuff. He made it look really nice, like how, as nice as it can be with bones. Yeah. But that's what he did. So when you see them and how they're laid out now, he did that and it was done in 1810. But it takes about like 45 minutes to do a whole tour, I think. Mm -hmm. Like if you do the walkthrough guided one. Um, And that's just a section mm -hmm. of a tunnel because they're insanely big. Yes. Insanely big. And they, that's the only part they'll let you in. Exactly. Because they're so dangerous. So now we're going to get into the secret catacombs, which is what you're talking about. Yes, ma'am. They're the non-official tunnels. Mm-hmm. So you can access these. You shouldn't. No. Um, because they're secret spots throughout the city where you can just plop in. Like literally through a manhole cover. Mm-hmm. But it's illegal, so do not recommend. Actually, don't do it or else. And it's, it's illegal for a good reason. It's not safe. Um, they're not structurally sound. They're infested with rats. Interesting you bring up Remy, which is why I said of course. <laughs> um, and electrical wires are just, like, exposed, chilling out in the air. hmm So. Also, like, imagine if something happened to you. Like, you broke your leg or something. No one knows where you are. There's mm-hmm. no service in them. Yep. No one can find you. Exactly. Don't do it. I even wrote, you could get lost and die. Yes. They're literally a labyrinth. Like, they're not completely mapped because you can't map how extreme it is. Mm -mm. Which is where I want to get into the found footage part. A lot of people have found footage or, like, a lot of people have actually died in here Mm -hmm. because they get lost and they never come back. Mm -hmm. And so, Francis Friedland is a French filmmaker. He came into the possession of a film because one of the explorers had found it deep in the catacombs and gave it to him. Allegedly. Some people think it's fake because, like, how did you conveniently come upon this? Mm-hmm. Which would be funny, and it probably might be, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting to watch. You can just search it on, like, Google, like, yeah. found footage Paris catacombs and it'll come up. Yeah. Also, I want to note that I did get the found footage information from that chapter on YouTube. He, okay. he talks about it. Um, so basically, the broadcast first aired on in 2000 on the Scariest Places on Earth. It's a show on TV in the 2000s, so it's as great as it sounds, <laughs> which is why people are like, okay, it's a TV show. Yeah. And no one's ever actually seen the full footage. 
Interesting. It's supposed to be a really long video. Um, and I'll that get into sense. why it's long. But we've only seen, like, two and a half minutes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, it's basically a man. He gets lost in panics. He gets lost in panics. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we're watching him run through the catacombs looking for a way out. Like, he's jogging. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some people think he might have been chased by something. Like... Interesting. Legendary. Like, a underground moth mole or something. But, eventually, he drops the camera and continues running away from it. Mm-hmm. And... That's his only light source, so, like, okay. So, no one knows where he went or what happened to him, um, and it's speculated to be from around 1993, and the film rolls until it runs out of film. Oh, okay. So, it's left there, and it's, like, hours of footage. Crazy. So, Francis went in to find him in Ghost Adventures. He's like, I'm gonna go get him. (laughs) Not Ghost Adventures, but he talked about it on Ghost Adventures. Mm -hmm. And they compared the footage to the maps they have, and they estimated he was about, like, 300 feet below the street level. Jeez. Yeah. But they gave up six miles in, because... Yeah. That'll do it. It's deep, scary, it's collapsing, like... There's water dripping. Well, there are parts of the caves that are actually, like, forever... Like, flooded. Flooded. Yeah, so you can't get to parts of them. That makes sense. Like, there's a really Especially with sea levels changing. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Well... And it could be part of, like, the sewer system. Like, I'm sure it is. It probably is. is. I think parts connect to the sewer. Mm-hmm. Because you can get through the manholes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can get in. And then, why I said Ghost Adventures is because I highlighted it. Mm-hmm. But, so after they got out, he said he still doesn't know who was in the video, but he refuses to go back. So mm-hmm. whatever happened to them on their little excursion, he was like, no. They got lost, couldn't get out. They were done. In fact, he said he never, 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 never is going back in. Never. Four times. So, yeah. Interesting. So, I actually, there's this YouTube channel where, it's a type of channel where they do challenges and they go to a lot of different places in the world. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what it's called, but I can probably find the video for you. Mm -hmm. But they went to Paris to see the catacombs. Yeah. And they found a guide who would take them in. Like, illegally? or Illegally. The way that they got in was crazy, but they filmed the whole thing. And there were parts where the guide told them they had to be absolutely quiet as they went through rooms because there were Satanists Mm -hmm. performing rituals. And they found several spots where, like, animal sacrifices had taken place. Yep. There was weird chanting and stuff, like, but they went in and they were in there for, like, hours. Yeah. And, like, some of the sections, it was almost, like, spelunking it is, because it's so deep and mm-hmm. dark, and, like, you and have no idea where you are. small parts, there's water, and then they were filming something, and their guy disappeared. He left them down there. What? And so, they started to get, like, after they couldn't find him, mm-hmm. they started to make their way out, like, partly from memory, and when they couldn't remember, they would look at their footage, because they needed to save the battery. Mm-hmm. But they were several hours in, like... I think 10 miles in. That's crazy. Like, it's one of the scariest things I've ever watched. And mm-hmm. it's very much real. Yeah. and Because they had the, the guy's face blurred the whole time. Ugh. And when they got out, like, it was like a day later, he, like, messaged them. Like, he meant to leave them down there. <gasps> like, he did it on purpose. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But there was crazy stuff. He told them crazy stories. He's like, yeah, I... I found a lady down here once just screaming because she fell through one of the manhole covers and she broke her leg. Mm-hmm. And she had been there for a few hours before I found her. Oh my gosh. But Ugh. he's like, yeah, there's homeless people who live in here because they don't have anywhere else to go. Like, yeah, bad people live down here to get away from the law. Like, Satanists are down here. Like, you it is don't crazy. go down there unless you're going through the guided tour that you pay no. to get into. He said he usually spends a few days down there. That's no. So, As Above, Far Below is a movie about that, where they go in and it's like a Blair Witch found footage kind Mm -hmm. of situation, but not really, Mm because it's not as believable. Because it's actually based on um, Dante's Inferno. Okay. It's like, the deeper you go, it's like the Nine Rings of Hell or Mm -hmm. whatever it is, and they follow that, but they're going through the Paris catacombs, and Mm -hmm. like, they show you like, a devil worship. That is really cool. Thing. And no, but that's real. Because it's real. It's, like, what it's based off of. Yeah. And so it's crazy to watch this. It's, like, it gets unbelievable, like, halfway through when they're, like, start picking the people off and killing them. Yeah. 
But, like, it's really interesting to, like, see the catacombs, because they actually went down there and got, like, government permission to mm-hmm. take a car in there and explode it. So. That's cool. It's really rad. I would recommend that one, too, if you're into horror. So. But that's the Paris catacombs. If I missed anything, please let me know. I'm talking to everyone listening. Um, yeah. I'll also, I'll post a picture on Instagram because they look insane. Yeah, I would Google it. They like, look super cool. I'm not really scared of bones. No. So it doesn't bother me. Well, and they're hundreds and hundreds of years old. It is. It's hard to even fathom how many bones are down there. Over six million. Also, in that video, they found different, like, statues and stuff mm-hmm. made out of bones, like a whole chair. Yeah, like, that's people... what he went in there, and he did the, all those yeah. things. So and people cool. have continued doing that. I think it's really cool just to see. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I said, visiting. like, the, the skulls don't bother me. No. Like, if they had families, I'd be very upset. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's, like, a historical thing, yeah. they were put into mass graves anyways, I don't They're think. They're centuries old. Yeah. A lot of them are plague victims, too. They didn't have anywhere else to put them. So they put them there. People were dropping, like, flies. Because this is before civilization, we'll say. It's before medicine or hygiene. Ugh. Gross. Gross. Okay, everyone. So today I'm going to tell you about a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Emily knows who it is. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to get into it. Mm-hmm. Okay. With her chiffon dresses, thick rim glasses, gray hair, and a litter of kittens, Dorothea Puente looked like a sweet old lady, even insisting to some, call me grandma. But looks can be extremely deceiving, and uh-huh. in this case, the innocuous landlady who was actually a terrifying serial killer who committed at least nine murders inside her boarding house in Sacramento, Sacramento California throughout the 1980s. Crazy. At least nine. Between 1982 and 1989, Puente would take in the vulnerable and homeless, poisoning and strangling some of her guests before burying them on her property and cashing their social security checks. The disappearance of these so-called shadow people went unnoticed for years, until eventually a social worker, Judy Moise, I think that's how you say her last name, who speaks in the new Netflix documentary, Worst Roommate Ever, reported a tenant missing. Mm-hmm. So she's the only reason that this whole thing was uncovered. Because it only took one person. One person to actually care. Yep. But the police could never have imagined that they go on to find six buried, six bodies buried in the backyard of this little old lady. Mm-hmm. I don't have any sympathy for this woman. No, not at all. She's creepy and gross. Yeah. Suspicions first arose about Puente in 1988 after Judy... An outreach counselor with the Volunteers of America noticed 52-year-old Averro. He goes by Bert. So I'm going to call him Bert. Okay. Bert Montoya, someone she had placed in Puente's house, had vanished. Bert had struggled with his mental health. That's not... He had intellectual disabilities. How so? I, I'm i not sure exactly if he was diagnosed. Um, if he was, I don't know his diagnosis. I've seen videos of him on this documentary that they mentioned, Mm -hmm. and I would say he could definitely be on the spectrum. Okay. So, something along that line. Mental health isn't this, is not the same thing, though, as an intellectual disability. Yeah. At least in this sense. Yeah. He had been homeless for years. He did have family in a different state, but I believe they just were not in, I financial position to have him Mm -hmm. if he's a person that couldn't take care of himself yes and they couldn't take care of him either i'm not sure how that went i just know that they were not living together not even in the same state that is sad so maybe he had like gotten a job at some point and Mm -hmm. then like fell on hard times like that sort of thing where he was away from help okay i'm not exactly sure that's just something that is possible. Mm-hmm. So he'd been homeless for years, and Judy didn't buy Puente's explanation that he had left for a holiday in Mexico with his brother, especially since she knew he didn't speak to his family. That evil, evil woman. Yeah, so in the documentary, she said she called several times. There's like, oh, like, he's in Mexico. He'll be back on Friday. She called on Friday. It was like, oh, he extended his trip to Monday. Call then. No. No. Yeah. Absolutely no. Judy also questioned another one of Puente's attendants, John Sharp, who told her something is wrong. She's been digging a lot of holes. 
Yeah. She alerted police who went to the house where they met the same answer that Bert was on a holiday, but John slipped them a message. She's making me lie for her. John is another one of the tenants. Mm -hmm. The police returned and searched the house, finding nothing. So they asked permission to dig up the garden so that they could tell the social worker that they'd done all they can. So they're like, look, can we just dig around? We've heard you've been digging holes. The social worker's really worried. We can't just bring back nothing to her. Mm -hmm. So Puente agreed, even providing an extra shovel for them to use. She's like, yeah, absolutely, dig up my garden. <laughs> and the worst roommate ever, one of the policemen who worked on the chase, recalls digging up the garden, finding pieces of cloth, eggshells, and leather pieces that looked like beef jerky. Eggshells? Yeah. What is that? We're going to get to that. Okay. Uh, we were just digging and digging, he said, and all I could see was Dorothea standing out, staring out the window at us from above. Ew, I can imagine being all creepy-like in, like, a horror film. Like, have you ever seen The Visit? No. Okay. But I know what it is. Like, standing from a doorway, like, half in, half out, just, like, deadpan through her I eyebrows. Like Finally, they found the body of 78-year-old Leona Carpenter. And the police realized that what they thought was beef jerky was actually human flesh. I have been removing it from the bone, one of the people said in the documentary. I think the eggshells were bone fragments. Okay. Because I was that's, like, I don't remember the eggshells. That's egg my shells. best guess, though. They had to Based be pretty on what thick, they found. Though, unless it was like, yeah, like well, fractures. I don't want to be like too graphic or gruesome, but mm -hmm. these were old people. They probably had osteoporosis, so their bones were really brittle. Yeah, so it's like a, like when fragments. they fracture. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't doubt it, and like, you know, when you're burying a body, like, without any casket or anything, like, bones are gonna break from the pressure of the dirt. If they're thin, yeah. But she, who knows what she did A lot long. of these people were really old. Yeah. Like, the first body they found was 78 years old. That's just weird. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, when questioning by police initially, Puente remained calm and denied everything. The police who interrogated her reveals in the documentary she was emotionless and she would look straight into my eyes and answer every question. She never flinched. She never said anything. She denied everything. But the next day, as the police started digging up other areas of the garden, she asked for permission to go and meet her nephew for a coffee to calm her nerves. Due to there being no evidence to link her to the body, she was allowed to leave, but managed to flee all the way to Los Angeles. This is in Sacramento. So it's well over a six-hour drive. Where she was found five days later when a man in a bar recognized her from TV. Meanwhile, another six bodies have been found in Puente's back garden, including those of 51-year-old Bert Montoya, the initial mm. missing person, 64-year-old Dorothy, Dorothy Miller, 55-year-old Benjamin Fink, 62-year-old James Gallup, 64-year-old Vera Faye Martin, and 70-year-old Betty Palmer. I'm going to mention here that for whatever reason, um, Dorothy and Betty had a lot more gruesome deaths. I don't hmm. know why. Um, Do you know what was more gruesome about them? I don't remember which was which, I'm sorry, but one of them was found without her head or hands or feet. Oh. So she'd been dismembered. She, yeah. And then the other, she was buried alive. And they could tell because there was dirt under her fingernails and there was spaces her. around her hands and things. Yeah. Huh. Which, I don't know why there was more rage for the women. Maybe she... Maybe, does it say which ones were the first ones to die? I I have no idea. I don't even know if they could tell. Okay. Because, I don't know, maybe she just had aggression and those were the first ones? Or, like, with the one that was alive? Because, I'm not going to spoil it, but because of the way they died, I could very well see her accidentally burying one of them alive. That is really true. That is very true. Um... But dismembering one of them when that the, is violent. When the others yeah. were not, 
like maybe there was a specific relationship with that person that was more frustrating to her I don't know mm-hmm. but there's something about that that didn't sit right with me and I wanted to mention it mm-hmm. just so you can get a sense that this is not a sweet old lady no she's horrible she's zero remorse and she will burn for her actions as she should thank you okay yes she had also been linked to another two previous deaths that were now seen as too similar to ignore. One of these was sixty was of a 61-year-old woman named Ruth Monroe, who Puente persuaded to move into her house in April of 1982 when her husband died. They had gotten so close that Puente even told her children to call her grandma. Hmm. So that's where that came from. Okay. Soon after, Ruth died from an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. To overdose on Tylenol? So this was what she did to all of her victims. She would slowly poison them. So her, the son of Ruth was in the documentary and he talked about like, you know, he would go over and see his mom with a drink, but she, he's like, mom, you don't drink. What is that? And she's like, oh, Dorothea made it for me to calm my nerves. He's like, what is it? She's like, oh, I think it's creme de mem. Mm-hmm. Um, creme de mem is mint, and it's really, really, really strong mint, strong enough to cover to medicine. Hide gross flavors. But that's, she had the same mo for all of them. She would slowly poison them mm-hmm. until they died, and then eventually they'd get dizzy and yes. Yeah. So that's why Emily was saying earlier that. It would be easy to assume that maybe she didn't mean to bury that person alive because when you die from an overdose, mm-hmm. like, as you're dying, your heart rate can be so low that, like, you know, a human hand can't really detect it. Like, if yeah. you check their pulse. So it could have been an accident. Mm-hmm. I, I don't put it past her, though. No, no. Yeah, she could be evil enough. Like, I'm definitely not saying that. Yeah, absolutely. She also might not have known. Mm -hmm. She still wanted to kill her regardless, so. Yeah. So she died of an overdose of codeine and Tylenol. When police um, put it down as a suicide, as Puentes told officials Mm -hmm. that she died of suicide, that she had been depressed after the death of her husband. So that's the reason she gave. Um, Again, her, her son said she wasn't depressed. She was mourning, Mm -hmm. but she wasn't in a depressed state. She was relatively normal. Mm -hmm. But during this time when she was moved in with Dorothea, they had a restaurant together. And Dorothea kept coming back to Ruth, being like, the restaurant isn't doing well. We need to put more money into it. And she just slowly drained her all the money. Yep. Now, we know Dorothea. We know the motive behind having these people in the first place, her tenants. And having these people move in with her so that she can steal all their money and then kill them. Yeah, because she's a con artist. Yes, so what if there wasn't even a restaurant? What if she wasn't putting in what she said she was? Yeah. You know? Mm, yeah, for sure. Very easily could have done that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, another one of the victims was Everson Gilmouth. A 77-year-old retiree who had developed a pen pal relationship with Puente when she was in prison. When she was released in 1985, they moved in together, but he abruptly disappeared. Mm-hmm. In November of 1985, Dorothea Puente hired a handyman named Ismail Flores. Mm-hmm. I apologize. To install some wood paneling in her home. After Flores finished the job, Puente had one more request to build her a six-foot-long box so she could fill with books and a few other assorted items and a pair of them before the pair of them would bring them uh, the box to a storage facility. A six-foot box. Um, Are there certain angles at the top of that box? No, but it's a giant box. I've seen it. It's a six-foot box. What else are you going to put in a six-foot box? Yeah, that's not for books. Build a bookcase. I don't know. Get moving boxes if you're going to store them. But again, she's an old lady. He's like, yeah, I'll make you a box. Yeah. Sus. Yeah. But on the way to the storage facility, Puente abruptly asked Flores to pull over near Riverbank and just push the box into the water. 
Can you imagine what he felt like when the news of this broke? Yeah, like, um, oops. Like, why would you, why would you make me an accessory to this? Why didn't you look in the box? I would have looked in the box. I'd be like, you getting rid of anything good? True. I like books. Yeah, also, why are we not throwing this away properly? Or Also, recycling? why is this so heavy? Yeah, well, books are really heavy. Yeah. Trust. You can see my stack. On New Year's Day, a fisherman spotted the box. Notice that it looked suspicious- suspiciously... I'm going to start over. Mm-hmm. On New Year's Day, a fisherman spotted the box. Notice that it looked sp- suspiciously <laughs> like a coffin. <laughs> yeah. It's angled. <laughs> and informed the police. <laughs> Investigators soon found the decomposing body of an elderly man inside. Emily, I have a question that's <coughs> probably a little naive. Okay. Do elderly people's bodies decompose faster than younger people's, or is it the same? I think it depends. Okay. Usually it's about the same, though. I mean, okay. it's person by person, case by case. So. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know if age affected that. Um, if they're... No, I'm not going to say that. Okay. It's However, a little too dark. Yeah. So. However, it would be three more years before authorities could identify the body as Everson, only happening due to the similarities between him and the bodies being found in Puente's backyard. Mm-hmm. Charged with a total of nine murders, Puente was flown back to Sacramento. On her way back, she insisted to the reporters that she hadn't killed anyone, claiming... I used to be a very good person at one time. I don't believe her. When? I need dates. Tell me. Receipts. <laughs> Throughout the trial, Bunte was a portra- was portrayed as either a sweet grandma-like type or a manipulative criminal who preyed on the weak. I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. So, like I told you about Bert, he had intellectual disabilities. All the mm-hmm. people she took in either struggled with mental health problems, they were homeless, they were elderly... They were the people in society where she knew that no one would come looking for them. Yeah. Which is incredibly sad. Yeah, she's an old lady, too, so she's not going to target young people. She can't. Like, she can't kill them. Because she's old and she can't take advantage of them and be like, here you go, instead of... So she, her tenants specifically, she would take their social security checks as their rent. Mm Mm-hmm. Or at least she was supposed to take part of it, but she would just take the whole thing. So they they couldn't leave. No. Because she was taking their checks. They didn't have any money And her to name leave. was on the checks. Mm-hmm. She put it there. Yep. Um, so her lawyers argued that she might be a thief, but she's not a murderer. Pathologists testified that they hadn't been able to f- fix the cause of death for any of the corpses. John O'Mara, the prosecutor, called over 130 witnesses to the stand. That's a lot. So if they couldn't determine the way they died, do you know how long it was from her last victim until she was caught? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I know all of them were pretty much all the way bone. Okay, so there would... You can't look at anything no that's probably why they couldn't determine the cause of death because there's only a certain amount of time where like poison is still present in an autopsy Mm -hmm. um the prosecution say that puente used sleeping pills to drug her tenants suffocate them and then hired convicts to bury them in the yard Hmm. so the slow poisoning was more like before when she was a caretaker of elderly people and then, you know, poor Ruth. And then that poor guy who was her pen pal. Yeah. I'm sure he was manipulated. For sure. And he just wanted a friend. Yeah. Dalmain, which is a... I don't know if that's how you say that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Which is a drug used for insomnia, insomnia was found in all seven of the exhumed bodies. Seven? Yeah. Oh. Prosecutors claim that Puente was one of the most cold and calculating female killers the country had ever seen. In 1993, after several days of deliberation and a deadlocked jury, due in part to her grandmotherly disposition, Dorothea Puente was ultimately convicted of three murders and received back-to-back life sentences. Okay. So three back-to-back life sentences, and she's 
old. Well, yeah, give her five years, she would die. But she killed nine people. That's why, like, it's not, yeah. But this wasn't the first time that Puente had been in trouble with the law. In 1948, she was convicted of forgery and sent to prison for four months before working as a prostitute for years and then being arrested for running a brothel in 1960. Then in 1978, she was charged and convicted legally convicted of illegally cashing 34 state and federal checks that belonged to her tenants. She was given five years probation in order to pay $4,000 in restitution. Initially, she said that she couldn't tell. So her story at first, when she started to confess, because most people, when they confess, they mm -hmm. tell you a part truth. Yeah. And then they tell you the whole truth. So her part truth was about Bert. That's who got this all started. She said that he had, um, he had gotten sick and died, but she couldn't go to the police because she was on probation. Sure. So she wasn't supposed to be doing what she was doing. I don't think she was supposed to have tenants while she was on probation uh, for stealing yeah. money from tenants. I yeah. That's what she said. I mean, she probably was, but... And yes, those were all issues, but she killed him. Yeah, like she was doing way more than what yes. she said. In the 1980s, she worked as a professional caretaker who drugged her clients and stole their valuables. She yeah. didn't kill any of them, I don't think. Supposedly. By 1982, Puente was sent to prison for her theft. She was released just three years later, although a state psychologist diagnosed her with a schizophrenic... Diagnosed her as a schizophrenic with no remorse or regret, who should be closely monitored. Isn't that how it always goes? Yeah. <laughs> she died in prison from natural causes at the age of 82. Boo. On the 27th of March of 2011. Whoa, 2011? Yeah. Boo. In the documentary, police say this could have been my grandma. She was this little old lady next door. You cannot judge a book by its cover, and she had one heck of a cover. Yeah. So sad. This case particularly makes me mad just because she took advantage of people Everyone. who had nowhere else to go. Like the elderly, like people who had intellectual disabilities, like, it makes me really upset. Because I saw videos of Bert and I heard mm. the social worker who took care of him, I heard her speak about him. And, um... She invited his family to the funeral, and they came out, mm -hmm. even though they hadn't been able to see him in years, and she gave the obituary, and they were they were pleased that they were able to say goodbye in some way. Oh, well, yeah. But, like, she very much framed as, like, his family, they wanted to be in his life, but they couldn't. Like, mm -hmm. he was just so far away. I don't know what the issue was, necessarily, if they lived out of country. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But. It's so sad. Like, watching the videos of him, it really reminded me of a family member who has intellectual disabilities and that really hurt my heart mm -hmm. that like she just took advantage of these people who are helpless it's yeah. horrible so i'm gonna read all of our victims one last time mm -hmm. i believe these are in order of who they believe she killed okay ruth monroe everson gilmouth dorothy miller leona carpenter Bert Montoya, Betty Palmer, James Gallup, and Vera Faye Martin. So, yeah, and who knows, maybe she killed more people and we just don't know. Probably. Because when the news broke that these bodies were being exhumed, mm -hmm. um, I know the family of Ruth came forward and was like, she took care of our mom right before she died. Mm -hmm. Like, it was her. We know it was her. Well, yeah, she had to start somewhere. So yeah. it's like, And they had been trying to get her case listened to for years, and they couldn't until this. Mm -hmm. So, it's just so sad. It's so she, she took advantage of the fact that she was old and she looked innocent to take advantage of other old people. Other old people. She was conning the families. Yeah. People who probably cared about them, but yeah. weren't in contact. And if you want to know more details and, you know, see videos of these people and see her being interrogated, I really recommend um, 
the Netflix documentary Worst Roommate Ever. She's the first episode. Okay. They did a fantastic job. It's very sensitive. It's good. It's like, it's not sensationalized in any way. No, because you're hearing from the people who it affected. Yes, you're hearing from the family members, you're hearing from the social worker, you're hearing from the people who worked the case. Mm -hmm. They don't dramatize it. It's really fantastic. It's not like Dahmer, where the families weren't contacted until after it came out. No. So. It's ridiculous. Stupid. All right. Well, thank you, Emily. Yeah. Sorry that one was so heavy, but I wanted to be respectful of the people that she affected. Is she old? So. Yeah. She is old. So one with our theme. She's old and creepy and gross and... Hated it. Yeah. I have so much hate in my heart for this woman. Amen. If I saw her, it would be on sight. I don't care that she's old, I would deck her. She and I deserves would win. it. Her old bones would crack beneath my fist, and I would smile. I'd say, oh no. I would smile and cackle, and I'd be put in prison, and I would write you all from prison. Yeah, we'd have a prison podcast. I'd come in and <laughs> record you from the, the microphone, like to the phone, be like, okay, Emily. How was your research? Did you get any research done? Do you think I could get off on, like, community service with old people? Um, I would hope so. That'd be funny. I don't know. I'm not gonna assault an old person, I promise. No, just this specific old she's, person. she's dead, so I can't. We'll try to contact her ghost, like Ghost Adventures. Um, should I get a Ouija board and contact her and then just berate her? Not recommended. Okay. <laughs> Peace and love. You don't know what's going to come through that board. Yeah, I'm not using the Ouija board. I won't even be the in the same room with one. That you even suggested it kind of surprised me I'm a little. joking. Um, I just really hate this person. Yeah. We don't do Ouija boards, by the way. No. So. Mm-mm. Absolutely not. No. We're not that podcast. Listen, I might be slightly skeptic, but Ouija boards is... I don't want to find out. That's not something you want to mess with. No. Anyway. Anyways. Thank um, you all for listening. I hope you had as good of a time as you could have. Yes. You have some material you can watch and listen to from our recommendations today. Mm -hmm. Um, Plug in your heating pads. Take your meds. Yes. And stay spooky. Stay spooky. Goodbye. Goodbye.